Have you heard the term synergy? You've heard that, right? Let me just give you a definition. The interaction of elements that when combined produce a total effect that is greater than the sum of the individual elements or contributions. So it's uh, simply put sometimes one plus one is greater than two. And I know when I first heard that, I didn't like that because I deal with reality, not like those things outside of reality. Um, but one plus one can be greater than two. Uh, and really though, it, 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 there's tr- there, it is a truth. Uh, if you think about the muscle groups in your body, you ever think about the muscle groups? Like just the, the muscles that, I'm, that would be used for me to turn my arm like this or to throw a ball. What those muscles accomplish together is so much greater than what they could accomplish each individually. Um, businesses and corporations understand this idea of synergy or, or bringing something together. That's why companies merge. They think they could uh, have more profit if they were to come together than if the two companies were to operate individually. Uh, sports teams believe in synergy. Lots of times you talk about chemistry, a coach or the players will talk about trying to find team chemistry. And so if they, they think if they have team chemistry, they'll have less drop passes and they'll score more points and they'll uh, shoot better and, and they will win uh, more games. And we uh, maybe don't talk about, sometimes you talk about when, when you see it and you observe it and it's uh, you know like a quarterback and a receiver just have, or they're on the same page we'll say. Uh, and they're just connecting together. But then sometimes we, you really notice it when there is a lack of synergy or a lack of chemistry. Uh, the whole sports world was talking about a- Antonio Brown this week. Anybody, anybody hear that? Do we have any sports fans out there? So um, football player for the, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in the middle of the game, he gets into an argument with his coach you know, 60,000 fans in the stadium watching the game. He took off his jersey, he took off his undershirt, he took off his gloves, threw it into the crowd, and walked shirtless into the locker room. They took notice of that. Was there chemistry there? (laughs) Something was missing, right? That's not the ideal that we are attaining to. You look at that and you think, okay, there is a breakdown uh, somewhere. Uh, if you think about uh, politics, of course, we're not going to talk uh, politics. We probably wouldn't use the words chemistry, synergy. Um, we would probably uh, say there's a lack of unity. There's constant fighting. There's uh, debate. There's friction. Um, different ideologies trying to, uh, are, are conflicting with each other. And we, we kind of come to expect that within the p- political world, but then we come here to church this morning, and what kind of words would we like to use to describe ourselves? United. Yes, that would be the biblical term, to have unity, to have a oneness of mind, to have a, a common ground that brings us together. And so uh, scripture wouldn't say, uh, talk about having chemistry as a church, wouldn't, the scripture wouldn't say we should have synergy as a church, but scripture would say that as a church we should have unity. And so this morning I'm going to start a series that I've entitled Everyone Equipped and Everyone Engaged. And we're going to talk about this idea, it's going to be a focus and an emphasis for this year. We want 
everyone that comes to church at House of Prayer to be equipped, to have knowledge and understanding and love of God, and then to use that knowledge and understanding and love and engage in relationships, uh, with, first within the church and then within the community. And so, um, as we get started now, we're gonna be in Ephesians chapter four. If you got your Bibles this morning, you can, you can turn there or get to there on your, on your Bible app. Uh, and we'll, we're gonna see here in, in, in Ephesians chapter four that the foundation for being equipped and engaged is having unity. And so we are gonna talk about unity this morning. So uh, just to kind of get us all up to speed because we haven't been in the book of Ephesians, chapters one through three talk about the blessings that we have in a relationship with Jesus. It talks about our salvation and the peace that we have as believers through our relationship with Jesus. Uh, then, uh, then Paul has a couple of prayers for the saints in the first few chapters. And then chapter four really begins into sort of a practical life application uh, section of the book. And so um, we're gonna read the first 16 chapters of Ephesians chapter four, and then we'll look at, look at it together. So Ephesians chapter four, verse one. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Notice the, the unity there, the oneness that's described. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from which the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love." Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and the truth that's found in it. Thank you that through your word we have a relationship with you, uh, that, you uh, that you guide us and you lead us and you teach us uh, what, it, what it looks like to live a life uh, that follows Christ. Uh, it makes a difference in this world. And I just ask that you would give us understanding as we look in your word this morning. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're really just gonna look at the first six verses of, the, of this section that I, I read, but uh, before we go back to verse one, I just wanted to take a note here in verse 16, and just the very last uh, part of verse, verse 16 says, 
when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Don't you like it when something's working properly? You know, are you thankful this morning you were able to get in your car and you were to drive here? Hopefully everything worked properly for you. Uh, if you were here, you didn't break down and get stranded. Are, are you thankful that the coffee maker worked properly this morning? <laughs> right, those are just this, this, the, simple, the simple things uh, in life uh, that we don't necessarily uh, think about. But uh, the lights are on in the building this morning. You know, it's probably gonna rain before we leave here this morning, and, and, and Lord willing, you know, last time it rained, nothing was dripping on us. Lord willing, be the same. We, we take for granted sometimes when something is uh, working properly, but don't we want a church that is working properly, functioning well, functioning in, in love uh, and in grace and in mercy? Um, sometimes we take for granted when things are working the way they should, and we don't necessarily notice until you've got Antonio Brown walking shirtless you know, off the field and you say, oh, do we, do we have something going on here we weren't aware of? But it's interesting that when each part is working properly, the body grows and builds itself up in love. And so I just think it's interesting that if we want to grow as a church, First is individuals growing in our relationship with the Lord, but then in numbers, seeing new people come to know the Lord, uh, and, and then them growing in their faith, that things need to be uh, working properly. So how do we get to that point? Well, we're gonna go back to verse one, and it starts with unity. And uh, we're gonna see that in these verses, and we'll just, we'll just start with verse one and work through, and I think we'll see it quite plainly this morning. Therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Uh, I just mentioned briefly here in the first few chapters, Paul talks about that they, as, as Christians, we have been adopted into the family of God. We have been uh, redeemed and our sins have been forgiven. We have received a, an inheritance, first of the Holy Spirit within us, and then we have a future in heaven that we are waiting for and we are looking forward to. We have been given peace with God and we are called to make peace with others and to be ministers of the gospel. And Paul says we need to be living our lives that reflects this spiritual reality that we are experiencing in our relationship with Christ. Our, uh, as we look through the, the book of Titus uh, at the end of last year, we said our, our behavior should match our beliefs. So as we walk worthy of our calling, we're really just matching our behavior with what we know to be true as a result of our salvation. And, and we're not just doing it on our own. It says we've received an inheritance, which means we've received the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit empowers and enables us to walk in this worthy manner. And, and it's described here, well, what does that look like? Well, it looks like humility, verse two, gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love. Uh, these are the workings of the Holy Spirit in our life. Uh, we, in, in Galatians five, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, and, and most of these are listed there as fruit of the Spirit. And we could spend 
Um, we could spend a week on each one of these, uh, on humility, a week on patience, a week on gentleness, and a week on love. But I think this morning, uh, for, for, for our purposes this morning, we'll recognize two reasons why we should act in that way. Uh, because in, especially when we were in Titus, but then also when, when we were in First Peter uh, earlier last year, we looked at a lot of these characteristics and I, I, w- I think it would, for our purposes this morning, would su- suffice to say we should be humble, we should be gentle, we should be patient, we should bear with one another in love because of what Christ has done for us. That's just walking in a manner that's worthy of our calling. He saved us, not because of what we had done, but he saved us because of his grace and his mercy, and it would just be uh, the natural outflowing of that salvation that we would uh, behave in that manner, that we would walk in a manner worthy of how we've been called. But the second reason is then found in verse three. We should act toward each other uh, in humility and gentleness, with, with patience, uh, with love, because we, are, we should be, I think we are, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. At salvation, we have peace with God. We, we talked about that um, the, the week after Christmas. We have peace at God with salvation, uh, but we also, at our salvation, are given peace with others who have also believed. All right, we, we see that right away. I think it's obvious that we have peace with God. We were sinners. God's a righteous God when we believe uh, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. His blood cleanses us. We receive his righteousness and we receive peace with God. But scripture also says at the same time, we obtain peace with our fellow believers. And so uh, it's important to understand that it's not just a, a vertical peace that we receive, but also a horizontal peace. And so um, we move away from the hostility into uh, relationships of peace. We're gonna look at that in, in just a minute. But it says, we're maintaining the unity of the spirit. So this oneness, this agreement that we are um, united in mind that comes to us through the Holy Spirit. We don't obtain that on our own, but when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, we obtain this peace. And so we're going to look at this peace just for a minute. And a, a couple of chapters earlier, in, in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, you could flip there. Um, Paul's dealing with this relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles, so two different ethnic groups, and um, the, the feelings that these groups had towards each other ranged from, I would say, dislike to hatred. All right, there was hostility there. There was, uh, there's no chemistry, there's no synergy, um, there was distrust, there was animosity, uh, definitely no peace, but watch what happens as each of these groups uh, come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, and it says this, but now in Christ Jesus, so there was animosity, there was hatred, there was distrust, there was, there was no peace, and he says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, speaking of Jesus, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So look at that. For he, for Jesus, is our peace, verse 14, who has made us both one. So he's taken in, in Christ when, a, when, a, when a, a Jewish person 
who, who had animosity and distrust and hatred towards a, a Gentile and vice versa, both towards each other, when they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus, they are made into one. So, so how can you have animosity and hatred and distrust if you are one? Well, God removes that and gives us peace, spiritually speaking. Practically speaking, we, have to, we work that out in our lives. So uh, let's continue reading. Uh, he is our peace. He's made us both one. He's broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace. So think about that. When, when you accepted Jesus as your savior, you were united into a body. Now this is talking about two different people groups, but within those two different people groups, we're talking about you know, hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people coming together as one. And so, uh, Jew and Gentile, that's two people groups, but that's two people groups that encompasses the entire world. So we would be, um, most of us here this morning, uh, I'll make an assumption, we're in the Gentile group. Uh, there, we might have some Jewish people with us this morning or, or listening, but we become one. We become one body in Jesus. So he created in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, therefore, or thereby killing the hostility. So yes, we are reconciled to God, but we are reconciled to God collectively, together as a group. Individually, yes, but as a group, we are reconciled to God. We are individuals, yes, but we are also one in Christ. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. You, got, you hear the, the unity, the oneness expressed? So we, are, we all came here uh, individually, and I'm, I'm sure most of us came with somebody in our vehicle, but we all came from different places. We've come together to worship today, but we are one in Christ. And it's not just us here this morning that are one in Christ. We are one in Christ with uh, those believers meeting in other churches, both in our community, but then also around the world. So we're reconciled to God. We all have access to God through the same spirit, the Holy Spirit that's within us. And we are all brought into the family of God. Verse 19 says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So we're all family together, but even um, uh, more specifically than that, we are all one body. And we're gonna, we're gonna talk about the body of Christ in weeks to come, but this morning um, we'll, we'll leave it uh, right there. It, it's not... Um, some cultures, this would be an easier concept to grasp, I would say, than the American culture. The American culture is very individualistic. Uh, we don't live in community, even in, even in the same way that other cultures would live in community. How many of you can look out a window in your house and not see any other structure? Right? No other neighbors. 
so even if you lived in Atlanta, you, you know, you're either got neighbors on either side or you're in an apartment building, there's people all around you. We, especially here, we have space and we, we can live our individual private lives to some degree. But uh, in the sense that we have this idea that we're just very individualistic, we, we do our own thing, and yet Scripture's saying we are united in Christ. All right, so continuing in verse four, going back to Ephesians chapter four, we're eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, and, and listen to these one statements. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So in verse four, it says there's one spirit. In verse five, it says there's one Lord. Verse six says there's one God and Father. Now, Christianity sometimes um, is accused of being an exclusive religion. And that's, uh, it's usually, it's mentioned in a negative way. And, and uh, the, the claim against Christianity is it's not inclusive. And I would uh, argue that Christianity is both exclusive and inclusive. It depends on what you're referring to. So Jesus definitely made exclusive statements. I would say that Christianity is exclusive in truth, but with an inclusive invitation to all. So Jesus said this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus didn't say I am a way or one of the ways or a possible option if you should choose. He said I am the way, the truth, and the life. That is an exclusive statement. We're not ashamed to say that that's an exclusive statement. Peter said this of Jesus, there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That is an exclusive statement. Salvation comes through the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man. There's not a bunch of different ways to get to God. There's one way, the man, Jesus Christ. So the, so the, so the scriptures are exclusive in the way that we are to approach God. It's through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is, yes, absolutely, Christianity is exclusive in that way. However, we are also inclusive. Uh, listen to Acts chapter, uh, excuse me, Acts chapter 13, verse 47. This is Paul and Barnabas speaking to the people of Antioch. And they say, the Lord has commanded us saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. So salvation is for everyone, even though there is only one way to obtain it, it is for everyone to obtain. Titus 2 verse 11, the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people. John three sixteen: for God so loved the world. Salvation is for anyone who would believe. Every tribe, every nation, every people, every language will be represented in heaven because salvation is for anyone who would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now our culture today says that you could believe whatever you want. 
right? Truth is personal. Truth is circumstantial. Um, it's, it may be one thing for you and it'll be a different thing for me. And, and you know, that's, that's fine if you're going to try to discuss, you know, what time is it going to start raining today? Well, you believe 1 o'clock and you believe 12 o'clock. Um, or who's going to win the big game tomorrow night? Georgia. <laughs> is there another answer? I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe for some of you. Uh, so it's, but when we're talking about a belief, I believe that Georgia's going to win the game. We're not talking about uh, uh, defined truth. That's, that's, what, that's, a, that's a hope or a wishful thinking or a desire. But when we're talking about truth, what is real, we have God's word, the truth is revealed in it, and, and there's, there's no, well, well, if you want and if I want and, and you can do this, God's word is true, and it tells us that there is one way to God, and it's through Jesus Christ. It is available to anyone who would believe. So there's one spirit, one God, one Lord. There is only one way to a relationship with God, it's through Jesus. Uh, but some other, some other ways that uh, unite us are mentioned in these verses. There's one body. We all belong to the same body. We are, in a supernatural way, united together, even if we don't necessarily experience that uh, uh, all the time. We're going to study that further um, in, in the weeks to come. We all have the same hope. Our hope is that God has changed us at our salvation and that he is preparing a place for us. That's the hope that, that Marie had, that when she put her faith and trust in Jesus, that he was preparing a place for her. It's the same hope that we have. We have the same faith, it says. Our faith and trust is in Jesus' finished work on the cross for our sins. We have the same baptism. I believe this is the spirit, referring to the spiritual baptism into the body of Christ. And this is a verse we'll look at later as well, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. When at our salvation, we all come into the same body of Christ uh, when we are baptized by the Holy Spirit. There should be great unity in this body of Christ, globally, believers everywhere, uh, but then even more so when we come together as a local body to worship together. Look at the end of verse six. Uh, there's one God, or verse six, the whole thing. One God and Father who is over all and through all and in all. It's the same God working in me that's working in you, that's working in our brothers and sisters uh, that are all over the world this morning. There's one God, we're united because he is omnipresent. He is, he is everywhere. He is in the body of Christ. That's what unites us. So when we come together here at House of Prayer on Sunday morning or on Wednesday night, we have even a greater unity with, among each other than we would have, uh, say, with a brother or sister in India that we don't even, we don't even know, let alone um, observe the same types of culture or speak the same language. So we have a greater oneness of mind as we meet together. We, we uh, are studying the same patches of scripture together this morning and in our Bible studies throughout the week. We're singing the same praises together. We are 
uh, praying for the same people together. We are making efforts to minister uh, to, to the same uh, children, to the community. And so we have even more that unites us. We disciple one another. We're teaching uh, the, the next generation together. And, and this is God's design. It's God's design that we would come together as a local body and we would, um, we, we already have unity, spiritually speaking, and then we, we strive to make our reality that physically, interpersonally, we have unity so that we can accomplish the things that God has for us. Kind of quiet this morning. Let's do this. Look at the person beside you and say, you're a little different than me, but we're all one body. God has a great purpose for uniting us together. It's important that we have unity uh, as a body, and there is a great, great purpose for this unity. I want you to turn uh, with me uh, to John chapter 17, if you're following along in your Bible this morning. Um, And there is um, God's intention, God's design is that our unity, our love for one another, our oneness would be an evangelistic tool for those who don't know Jesus. All right, look at John chapter 17, uh, verse eight. And so uh, to set the stage, what's happening here, this is the night before uh, Jesus was gonna go to the cross. He is praying for his disciples. So this is a conversation that Jesus is having uh, with the Father. Um, he, it is revealing Jesus' heart for his disciples. So just picture this. This isn't written to you. It's not written to me, but it is written for us. It's Jesus speaking to the Father. And Jesus says, I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Now, it took a while for the disciples to figure this out and to accept this, but they, Jesus is saying, look, the disciples have heard, they've received, they know that I've come from you. Jesus speaking to his father. He continues, I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world. Jesus is preparing to be crucified and to leave the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Conversation between Jesus and his Father. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, listen to this, that they may be one, even as we are one. You hear that? That Jesus' prayer for his disciples, that they would be one, even as we are one. Well, how one is, is God the Father and God the Son? Can you get any more one than that? And Jesus' prayer was that the disciples would have the same unity that Jesus 
enjoyed with the Father. Is that your reality this morning? I mean, I think I have a lot of unity with, with fellow believers, but do I have the unity that Jesus enjoyed with the Father? I think it's okay to be honest and say, no, I don't. I'm thankful that Jesus was praying for his disciples. So listen, okay, taking a glimpse into Jesus' conversation with God the Father, praying for his disciples, um, look at verse 20. Just slide down to verse 20. He's making his request known to the Father, and he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So Jesus is saying, I'm not just praying for the disciples, but I'm also praying for those who will come to believe in me. Have you believed in Jesus this morning? Okay, so he was praying for you on that night. And this is what he said. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so that they also may be in us. So Jesus prayed that the disciples would have the same unity that he and the, and the Father enjoyed, and then he prays that we would have the same unity together that Jesus had with the Father. That is, as, just as in the same way that Jesus and the Father were one, that we would be one together. And this is why he prayed for our unity. Uh, verse... 21 at the end, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus' prayer was that we would have unity, that we would have a oneness of mind, that we would set aside our preferences, our opinions, um, our wants and our desires and have unity together so that the world would look at us and believe that the Father sent Jesus into the world because he loved the world and the world needed a savior. Could there be something more important than having unity as a church? If we want the world to believe that God the Father sent Jesus the Son to die on the cross for our sins, for the sins of the world, so that when we put our faith and trust, we receive God the Holy Spirit into our lives to change us and to keep us until we go to be with the Father in heaven. If we want the world to believe that, then how important is it that we would have unity as a body? Could there vary? Could there be something more important? What songs we sing? What the next Bible study is gonna study? We got the parking lot paved already. We don't have to worry about that. You, you know what I'm saying? Could there be anything more important than having unity so that the world would look and see the unity and believe that there is a God in heaven that loves them? Let's just keep reading verse 22. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may perfectly that they may become perfectly one, and he repeats it, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Our unity, our oneness of mind, 
our love for one another as a church, just speaking of, of, of our um, of what God's calling us to do as a, as, as a local church, yes, but then as a global church, can communicate to the world that God loves them, that God loves them just as much as he loved his son, whom he sent to die for, for the sins of the world. So I just, I, I wrote this, I wrote this down. Unity with God and with each other, and when I say with each other, with, with the body of Christ, with, with our fellow believers, is the foundation for growth. Personal growth, but then also to grow the body of Christ, that people would see the love, the unity, the oneness that we enjoy, and say, what's that about? And they would know and believe that there's a God in heaven who loved them so much that he would send their son. It's a tall, tall order, but it's something, it's, it's important that we would have unity, that we would have oneness. So we're going to be looking for the next few weeks at this idea, everyone equipped, everyone engaged, but it, it starts with unity. It starts with love for one another. It starts with uh, each one of us to determining that we will walk worthy of the call that's on us. Why don't you bow your heads and, and pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you that, uh, that we can gather here. I'm thankful for the unity that we do have in this body of Christ. Sarah mentioned the, the meals that are, that are made for, for one another who are, are sick, and I think of those who um, were helping with, with moving this week. <clears throat> uh, done out of love and care and concern because we, we recognize when one hurts, we all hurt. When one has a need, we all have a need. When one has abundance, we all have abundance. And, and God, I just pray that we would uh, recognize how important it is to be united, how important it is to have a oneness of mind, to, to uh, keep the important things the important things, and to uh, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and let the other things become secondary. Uh, and so that uh, by our oneness and by our love, the world would know that there's a God in heaven uh, who loves them. And, and maybe there's somebody here this morning you, and you think, man, if, if Christianity is exclusive based on the truth of the gospel, based on the truth that Jesus is God's son, that he came and he died for the sins of the world, uh, and for those who believe it, who put their faith and trust in Jesus and his work, become uh, righteous in God's eyes and have a relationship with God. If that's, um, if that's true and we believe it's true, uh, there's, there's, so much, um, there's so many reasons to believe that, that this would be truth from God to us. If, you, if, if that means you are outside of the body this morning, it's just as simple this morning, you could pray. You could admit to God that you're a sinner that you need a savior and you recognize that Jesus is that savior who came to die for your sins. You put your faith and trust in Jesus and become part of this uh, body of one, this family of God. God, I pray for those who are um, in your body this morning, who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would uh, look at each other and have a desire for unity, have a desire to uh, work together 
uh, for um, the, the good of the body, but also for the good of the community, that the truth of God's word uh, would be proclaimed both in, in this body, but also in our community and beyond. And Lord, I pray that as we seek to love one another, that that really would be evidence of your love for us. Uh, because apart from, from your love, we, we don't have a true love to share uh, with anyone. And so God, I pray that you would be um, at work in our midst, that you would give us a, a desire for unity, and that we would follow you in this regard. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for bringing us into your family and into your body. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.